Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss other great biblical resources that we often gain wisdom from, how to deal with unanswered prayers, and we also talk about what James has to say about judging your neighbor. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, we do encourage you to pause this episode now, go back on this same podcast feed and listen to that message as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. And if you ever have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we hope you join us at quadcity.church slash podcast, where you can submit your question or comment to be answered right here on the show. Well, thanks again for setting this time aside with us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. Hey everybody. We're all back. We are back. Back to back to some sort of normalcy. Hey, um, how you guys doing? Doing good. <laughs> you had yeah. a week away, Jason? Oh, we right. did. Yeah, that's good. Uh, my wife and I went away and spent some time uh, at a, I don't know, cohort of sorts with a bunch of other lead pastors and their wives, yeah. churches of our size. And so it was a good chance for us to go and learn, try to hear what God's doing in some other places and pick up some nuggets and find some encouragement. So yeah, it was good. Suffer through four days in the worst state in the union. <laughs> you guys are the worst. Yes, it was in, it was in Florida and we we all have history with Florida. I know that. Yes, but it's, it's not as bad as you all make it out to be. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How did we're we're becoming the Florida hating podcast? Or at least you are two we? are. Yes, Maybe. if we're known for anything, you know? that would be the thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, God. I wouldn't talk this way if I lived in Florida, but I wouldn't live in Florida probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have thought that. Like, oh, what if at some point I end up having to live in Florida, and then there's all this history recorded. There the is. They're coming me. for me. They are. Yeah. They probably don't want to. Yeah, they probably get it right. I just saw. <laughs> Speaking of Florida, there's like this massive measles outbreak going on in Florida. I'm like, I saw it and was like, well, I hope Jason takes care of himself. <laughs> measles. Be, I thought we... We did. It's okay. a whole long story. Okay. We're going to get into it. But I was like, I, I literally saw that, that and went, Jason, oh, if he brings that back. I'm going to be so mad at him. I'm going to be so mad at him. But... I got this ointment for these little bumps. That I'm fine. It's fine. Uh, they let me on the airplane. So. That's right. I just, Yeah. That's funny. But we're good. How good. are you? How's good. the healing yeah. coming? Uh, it's good. I just moved my shoulder in a way that like totally cramped up. And I was like, that doesn't feel awesome. But yeah. uh, other than that, it feels great. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm moving around okay. And most people are like, hey, back to normal. I'm like, oh, not quite. But no, not it looks, quite. looks that way. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So, yeah, it's, it's really good. Basketball and uh, basketball playoff season. This How's that week, going? Man. Yeah, we started tonight. We got games. So I'm really upset. So if... So I have two teams, and we're at the same time. So just to clarify, you're coaching two teams. two teams. So I coach two teams. I have a 9 and 10 team, 11, 12 team. And so um, uh, 
the director of the Y does a great job during the season, like doesn't ever schedule us and gives us plenty of time and all that. She does really great. So I, I don't want to give her a hard time. But during this deck on playoffs, I'm not, I have to choose because the next two games, both of them will be at the same time. And I'm uh, one of those, like, so Judah, my oldest, has to make that decision. He's like, he's like his, it's like his mom sometimes is really anxious. And I'm like, hey, man, whatever decision you make, I don't, I don't. Just who do you want to play with? Yeah. Like, make your decision. But, like, mine, I'm like, man, I've, like, invested all this time. I want to be there with those kids if they yeah. lose. Like, I want to be able to rally them and speak, you know, good things to them. So, uh, my heart is torn. I'm like, ah, where do I go? And one of my, and Gideon, my second, he's playing on the 9 and 10 team. And so, tonight I'm going to be with them. I said, all right, I'm going to roll with them. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens, win or lose. Um, it, it is rough, though, because Judah's like a plus 15 or 20 advantage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, So yeah. That's it's, um, it's going to be real interesting what happens. And so um, I felt, oh, I'll hang out. So he's going to go up and play with the bigger kids. Nice. And because all his friends in school, he wants to play against them. Yeah, that's There's fair. a kid from church who plays on the other team we're playing. And that dad was like, well, maybe Judah won't come to that game. <laughs> He'll go to the other one. I was like, ah, I think he's already chosen the 11-12. So... We'll be doing that tonight and the rest of the week. We'll be playing basketball, and then it's over. Sweet. Good. Yeah, then it's baseball season. Then it's baseball gotta, season. Gotta we chatted about that last week. Yes, we did. Uh, hey, we had a question that came in that I thought would be fun banter here from Gary. Josh, would you mind uh, reading that? I know he, he shot you a text. Yeah, for sure. So Gary mentioned uh, that last week, uh, Brendan and I were just talking about that we get books or recommendations or podcasts or sermons or all kinds of stuff sent to us. Uh, pretty regularly. And we were just talking about that sometimes I just don't have time to listen to everything. And one of the filters that I use is if that person uh, is not speaking in a way that's, uh, I feel like it's Christ honoring and giving life. If they have patterns of those kinds of speech and talk, like I just, I'm definitely not going to listen to it. Uh, my time is super precious. Um, so Gary's question was with that, who are the people outside of just reading the word that you uh, listen to what's the one person that you always find yourself reading or going back to or podcast or a preacher sermon so i know that's a probably like three different areas but curiosity so maybe start with you jason who do i listen to uh besides reading the bible okay so it depends so am i at at night uh, I will often throw a sermon on as I'm going to bed. So I'm a weirdo. I've actually done that since I was a little kid. I know. That's I know you're looking at me funny. Back in back in Kentucky, there was this uh, radio station called WJMM. It was when you were going from Harrodsburg to Lexington. It was right off of Versailles Road. It was the Christian station in the '80s, and this was back before they had. Contemporary Christian music on the radio. It was just old preachers, and I would. <laughs> was listen. it on Bluegrass Parkway? Yeah, yeah. I, know, yeah. I know the building you're talking about. Yeah, WJMM. I don't know if it still exists, but it did when I was a kid, and I would listen to sermons as I went to sleep. Anyway, so I still do that. Uh, probably the I've probably got three that I go back to regularly. Um, I'll listen to Matt Chandler. Um, from the Village Church in Texas. Um, I'll throw him on. Uh, there's a guy named Aaron Brockett, who is at Traders Point in Indianapolis. I'll throw a sermon on, of his on. 
Uh, he's a guy I went to school with along with uh, Kyle Eidelman. So I'll throw him on as well. So those are sermon guys that I'll just I'll listen to. Um, as far as podcast stuff goes, like whenever I'm doing a house project like this weekend, I laid pavers. So I'm super sore all day yesterday because I put a little paver driveway down. Uh, and I will just put headphones on and listen to whatever, uh, all kinds of podcasts. So like, um, I'll listen to John Chris podcast. I know he's probably on your list of people you're not going to listen to, but probably not. Yeah. He's a comedian guy and, uh, he's got a podcast. I'll listen to that. Uh, I listened to the unashamed podcast th- this week. I don't know if you've heard of, it's the guys from duck dynasty. Hmm. Yeah. They've got a, a podcast called Unashamed, and they are some gospel preaching dudes. I don't know if you've ever listened to them or know anything about the the Duck Dynasty guys. Was, I've actually, you know, White's Fairy Christian or Church of Christ is what their yes. church is called. Yeah. It was literally an hour and a half yeah. away from me when I was in Louisiana. It was one of the first yeah. pastors we just connected with. Yeah. Because there weren't a lot of Christian churches yeah. In, yeah. in Louisiana. It's a lot more probably Baptist churches. Yeah. Yep. So you connected with Phil? Is that what I'm hearing? No, not Phil. The actual, the brother who's the, the brother, actual that's right. pastor. Okay. Like we've chatted on the phone a couple times. Yeah. That kind of stuff. They were a little, they were probably, well, West Monroe's probably an hour, hour and a half away. So yeah. yeah. A little further away, but nice guys. Really, yeah. Really kind, but they're Church of Christ. Yeah. Which I, I'm not necessarily yeah. uh, non-instrumental. They are non-instrumental <laughs> Church of Christ. So yes. We have a few things that are different. But uh, their podcast is good. I listen to it every once in a while. Um, all right. So uh, some sports podcasts. Probably the other one that I will listen to regularly, and I'm probably going to take some heat for this. So I don't know. I don't even know if I should say this out loud. <laughs> you shouldn't if you're thinking about it that much. Don't say it. Okay. I'm not saying it. Unlike you, I don't have to agree with everything everybody says that I listen to. <laughs> I will throw on the Bill Maher podcast every once in a while. So Bill Maher has a podcast, and he interviews a lot of people. And it's really diverse of the opinions that... Now, again, I don't, I, I'm not proclaiming Bill Maher's lifestyle or his language. He often smokes pot and gets drunk while he's doing his podcast. So I'm not a, at yeah. all adhering to the Bill Maher's way of life. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the conversations are interesting. So it makes me think about things. And uh, I think as a pastor, part of my job is not just to execute exegete the word, but exegete the world. Like I need to know what's going on in the world and the philosophies and the ideas um, of the people we're trying to reach. And I think Bill Maher in his conversations helps me to see the way in which the world is thinking. That's great. That's really good. I mean, along those same lines, there's a couple, I'll, I'll um, uh, hunt podcasts. I'll, I'll listen to some podcasts based on solely the guest that's being interviewed. Yeah. So like I've listened to a number of Bill Maher episodes because yeah. of whoever was being yeah. interviewed. Same with Rogan, which I'm not a proponent of being right. a regular listener to Rogan. But he's had a couple of uh, Christian guys. There was a um, Dr. Myers, I believe was his name. Like a... Um, Oh, really interesting field of study. He was like a um, creationist psychologist, hmm. which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, and that, he's a believer, follower of Jesus. 
on this podcast where that's not the norm. So uh, I thought that, you know, there were, have been a couple episodes like that that I've listened to, but that's not my regular uh, podcast wise. Like I'll listen, I really like, um, so Comer has the Practice in the Way podcast that I listen to fairly regularly. I like that one a lot. Uh, and there's a fair bit of backlog that, that uh, I'll just go back to here and there. Um, but mostly for me, I mean, I've got a lot of sports podcasts that I listen to because for me, um, typically I'm listening to podcasts when I'm out walking or running or, or doing some sort of activity Whereas I'm not super engaged in the content. That's why I can't, you know, I, I know a lot of people will listen to their Bible app. I can't really listen to my Bible app mm-hmm. while I'm going and doing something and be focused and engaged in that. I just don't feel like I'm doing it justice. So, for me, like my podcasts that I listen to are uh, have very little uh, spiritual effect in my life. <laughs> Again, I'm listening to the, the Bill Simmons podcast every mm. week and, and Rosillo and like the, all the sports guys. Um, but from a book perspective, like I, I am more oftentimes more concentrated, more focused when I'm sitting down reading a book. So like, you know, any of the Comer stuff, I think is really, really good. I've read a number of his books. Um, uh, I think of... From the leadership perspective, again, a big part of my role is, you know, strategy and leadership and that sort of thing. So I do a lot of Patrick Lencioni, which easy reads. I know Josh, you're reading one of his books or just just read one of his Man, books. Finish it. Um, which are just like it gets you thinking in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll take a break from more biblical scriptural uh, content and shift into leadership and healthy culture and, and people development and that sort of thing. Um, but then a lot of Keller. Right, I don't think you can almost ever go wrong reading a Keller book. Right. So those are some of the things that come to mind for me. I guess Kerry Newhoff would be the other one that I, I'll yeah. throw on every once yeah. in a while, depending on who he's interviewing. Kerry Newhoff has a leadership, uh, a church leadership podcast um, that sometimes is really good. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see from a podcast perspective. I listen to uh, what N.T. Wright says, so it's a that's a good one. Uh, it's just random questions that people toss in, and he just answers them using scripture. It's really just intriguing, and it's all over the map from um, to baptism to creation to racism to all. I mean, just and he's just a really really smart guy. He's one of the guys that I read a ton of as well. Um, so that's a great podcast that I'll listen to, and it's got so many episodes, and they're like a half hour. So yeah. I also like because there's like a half hour I can just ask NT write anything. Yeah, ask NT write anything. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting, good perspective on same way. It's like culture mixed with the Bible. Like how does he interact those two things? That's usually what the questions are. Yeah. Um, uh, he's like a deep New Testament scholar. Like yeah, very his sharp th- stuff yeah. on Paul is you know just crazy. Uh, also listen to I listen to the Pivot. So it's a, a podcast that it's uh, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor. Um, both ex-football players. And so they do a great job of bridging cultural stuff. Like one of my favorite ones recently, they had M- Maurice Claret on. It was fantastic. Just his story and his history and now what he's doing. They had a guy on there who tried to commit suicide, like literally shot himself, had a hole in his head and laid on the floor for like 24 hours. He was a baseball player, super successful. It looked like he had everything, but just was lonely and miserable. Mm-hmm. So these, and Ryan Clark has that. I, I'm not going to he speaks to someone who knows about faith and has faith. Again, I don't know his fruit and I don't know his life. Um, black culture typically has that um, in there. So it's underneath how they talk and ask questions and get a little bit deeper. So I love their guests and I just love um, how they just kind of chop it up, those those guys. So that's one of my uh, favorite podcasts around sports stuff. Uh, and then reading, um, some of the 
books, obviously N.T. Wright, Keller's great. Uh, Rich Volotis is a guy I started listening to. He's a pastor out in New York. He talks about the Sabbath a ton and just the way of life, kind of the same as Comer. Um, and then uh, Derwin Gray is a pastor that I'll follow him on Twitter mainly. Uh, he's a ex-football player who turned pastor, church planner. He does a lot of the multi-ethnic racial congregation. He's a black pastor with a white wife. And so really natural to him. And so um, really cool story. Um, again, football player who's a pastor. was like, oh, I, I love, there you go. I love that. You, there's a lane that you like to run in. I'm noticing a pattern there. I, yeah. I think he right does not fall anywhere. No, he there. does not. No, no, I don't he's, think he he's, 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 Neither does Velotis. Velotis is cool, though. He, he's a hooper, so he loves to shoot <laughs> Um And so I just want, I, so for me, I try to listen to a variety of voices. Mm-hmm. And so mine is like social media feed is where I just try to get stuff from. Uh, just the uh, same way, like, I'm just curious what everybody else is talking about. What are the things that people within faith context are arguing about? Mm-hmm. So I end up following a ton of different voices. If, if you looked at my feed, it's like it's all over the map. Mm-hmm. But it helps me the same way to go, wait a minute, that seems crazy. You be- like That's what we're pushing and believing. A lot of the newest stuff from you know some of the LGBTQ stuff with pastors going for it or uh, some of the SBC stuff that's going on. I'm just my life in the South for a while. I follow a few of those guys. And so they fall on all over the map. Um, it's, it's, so again, I think just really, really helpful for me. And then in the, the evening time, I, I actually read quite a bit. So in the evening time, I, I try to read like non or fiction. So a C.S. Lewis um, Chronicles of Narnia, and then I read uh, Harry Potter. So I know that's probably like, I just probably got thrown out, but... Um, I read Harry Potter because it's, it's it doesn't make I don't have to think and it's just a yeah. great I like great story so there's another author that writes a lot of fiction books uh, was, I can't remember his name but I've read three or four of his books so the fiction things just get me in and I just hook into the story I really enjoy it I don't have to think and I'm not yeah. I, you know just having a I think because being a pastor what I've learned too is like the art of storytelling is so mm-hmm. it's a big deal yeah so just listening to other people and reading other people and watching them, how they develop characters, I think is really important. So I haven't read fiction in years. I just, for whatever really? reason. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. I don't know. It just isn't, Courtney reads, I mean, 50, 60 fiction books a, a year. Um, but I just, yeah, for whatever reason, I just haven't got sucked into it. So, yeah. Uh, so Gary's next question, to kind of keep the conversation going just real quick. He said, how do you, so he said like in the last year, he read a ton of books. Yeah. And there's so many different voices and became overwhelming. So this year he said, I'm just going to read one voice. So how do you balance that, right? Yeah. How do you not take in too much? Um, do you have those seasons that you guys are kind of like, man, I'm just going to, I'm just reading the Bible right now. That's what I'm focused on. I, all the other voices are just distracting whatever season that may look like. Or have you had one of those seasons before? Yeah, I, I would say, and maybe just uh, to add one more name, something that I was thinking of when you were talking about variety of voices. Uh, one of the guys, so when I uh, taught the message on Sabbath over the summer, I read a couple of books around the idea of Sabbath and rest and silence and solitude and that sort of thing. And Hen- Henry Nowen was one of the guys that oh, yeah, I read great. a little bit of. Yeah, you know, great. lots of quick books. Yeah, um, really interesting life experience. So for people who are maybe looking for great um, biblical perspective that's outside of the modern church context. Yeah. Henry Nowen would be a great guy to read. I know Prodigal Son, uh, I read a couple of years ago and was really good. Yeah, um, a leadership book I read every January. Yeah. yeah. There's a book like on pages. Uh, the, the Silence and Solitude Habits of the uh, Desert Fathers. That was really good. That was the one that I read during the, uh, the study for the Sabbath message. And 
Um, so just one of those voices. And I think that's one of the ways for me is like, there was a spurt there where I was studying for a specific thing, getting a better grasp oh, yeah. of a specific thing for a few months. And I read uh, two Comer books. I read the Nowen book. I read uh, a great book called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. So I've read a bunch of books in this like short spurt of time that all had this common theme, but different voices speaking into that theme. But I'm not doing that constantly. In fact, like I go long periods of time with you know, uh, without digging into more than maybe one or two books. So that's just kind of my rhythm is when I get really interested in a specific topic and want to learn more, I'm going to do that. But then I also don't feel a, I know a lot of people feel like a social pressure to like always be reading. So like, wait, what do you read? Always be on the next thing. I just don't feel that, you know, I want to learn and I want to grow and I feel like I do that um, pretty well. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel the pressure to always be you know, reading four yep. books at a time or something like that. So that's just not how my brain's wired either. So uh, I think that helps, you know, going through um, having a healthy rhythm of intake. Um, and then also just balancing your intake from these, um, what are probably, you know, biblically minded people, but still outside of scripture sources yeah. and just reading scripture. Like I think it's incredibly important to come to your own conclusions. You know, it's getting, it's great to study specific texts or themes or ideas, um, but also having the balance of just being in the Word and whether you're moving around a bunch or focusing in on one book or whatever your rhythm is, uh, mixing it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is probably going to sound a little weird coming from a pastor. I think there we can swing the pendulum too far. We were talking about this a little bit in the a uh, little bit yesterday, where you have people who are in five Bible studies, mm. <clears throat> and I think we can do the same with books or podcasts or sermons or whatever you want to do. I don't think God had the expectation or desire; He did not design us just to sit and try to consume information all the time. Mm. Um, if you're doing five Bible studies and your devos every day and a, a sermon on the weekend and a discipleship, my question that I asked you yesterday, or I said out loud yesterday was, if you're doing five Bible studies, when do you actually have time to obey the things that you're learning? And so I think, you know, the line I've used a thousand times is I think most of us are educated beyond our obedience. Yep. I think the reality is most of us Brendan, you're the exception being when you're teaching, there ought to be a higher level of intake. I think most of us need to be in the word and we need to be living our life and doing our job and raising our kids and loving our wife and and serving our neighbors. We I think trying to um trying to fill our minds up all of the time with all of the stuff, I think is a social pressure that we have built in 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 Western evangelicalism, and I don't think it actually helps to further the kingdom most of the time. Yeah. I think if we're just, what we talked about yesterday, we'll get to the sermon, right? If we just did what we talked about yesterday, we would have plenty enough to do this week. Yeah. Like we don't need to learn anything else except here are, here's six options I need to put into practice this week of areas of repentance. Here's some areas of submission. If I just gave the Holy Spirit space to help me to practice this, I wouldn't need to read anything else. So, so I would just affirm 
Gary's heart. I think we we love people and we serve our family and we're in the word and we're spending time in prayer. I think if we if we took half of the time that we devote to our podcasting and put it into our prayer life, it would be more beneficial to the kingdom and to our own transformation than uh-huh. listening into the other podcast. Yeah, probably. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, I just enjoy reading. Just would rather read than at times watch mindless TV. Yeah. That's why I read fiction at night because it's mindless. I don't yeah. really engage with it. I'm not really great when it uh, comes to the end. Um you know, Eugene Peterson is another voice I listen to a lot the same way. He talks a lot about Sabbath and rest. And uh, my Fridays are full of a lot of just rest and recovery and reading and trying not to just watch Netflix and binge it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't offer me anything. That's not Sabbath. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yes, that balance of uh, how do I just read more scripture? And even that, again, I just I read more probably than most people. So I read like uh, 10 chapters a day as my reading plan in the Bible. So it's just different. i my brain just works really differently, and I just am a. I'm a slow reader. reader. I read a yeah. third of what you read. Yeah, and again, I, what I know about me, and so it would feel wasteful if I didn't use what God has given me. And I've just yeah. always enjoyed that. And so, but I will go through, through seasons. Um, I won't read a book for um, six months, maybe. I'm just reading the Word and just hanging out and not ending it. I just can't pick anything up. And and I'm a, like a, <clears throat> I think it's Keller who talks about uh, read. We need to read uh, more books or, or reread more books, the good ones. We need to just pick up and reread them. And, yep. and it's we need to st- not read, or just be able to put the book down when we know it's not any good. And I've tried to develop that. Like if I'm reading a book, yeah. like, is it any good? I just stop reading it. I've got no problem with yeah. that. Courtney has a whole, really <laughs> hard time with that. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, no, if I'm, if I'm a third of the way through and I'm just not into whatever this thing is trying mm-hmm. to teach – I have zero problem with that. And I also love rereading. I mean, I've got a couple of books. I couldn't tell you how many times I've reread Good to Great by Jim Collins. I've read that book 20 or 30 times probably just because it's one of those, like the content's so good that um, rather than going and finding another New content. And I think that's the point here. It's like, maybe just let's keep reading and focusing on the thing that we're called to do. Um, I do think, again, I think there's a spiritual discipline in reading and, and building that. And when we look at our time, to your point, where we spend a lot of it, it's stuff that maybe is not edifying us or the kingdom. And so I think it's a time balance. And so finding that, like my wife, she's not really an outside reader, but besides the Bible. And she's like, this is all I want to do. I don't really, I'm not a reader. And I'm like, all right, I, that's, that's how she, you know, mm-hmm. that's how her mind works. Um, so I don't listen to a ton of other sermons. I just, I have... I read Jason's and then I hear Jason's. I'm good. I don't. <laughs> I listen. I listen to some buddy sermons every yeah, once in a while, friends, just like yeah. some friends where yeah. it's like, oh, I want to go hear. They that usually thing. will send it and we read it just to very oh, similar cool. to this. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh man, I love that. Great, great thought or something like that. But yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, I just don't have. Do I have four kids? Yeah, I just don't have that much time. And so the, even the Bible reading piece, like you reading ten chapters a day, I my mind doesn't work that way. And so I'm a slow methodical thinker. And so it take I'll take uh one chapter, one paragraph in that I uh, just r- runs through my head. And so I'm just always trying to figure out. So I can't do it at the speed that you do. It wouldn't be hel- it wouldn't be beneficial right. for me. I it it I can't consume it in a way that is actually helpful for me if I read 10 chapters a day. And so uh 
as you guys know, I'll take, you know, whether it's in a uh, staff meeting or just throwing out uh, an idea, I'll walk out of my office every once in a while. And it's just, I've been rolling around this verse for three weeks. And then I yeah. finally come to something and I throw it out at you guys. And you're like, what are you, what? And so I couldn't do 10 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the whole point is whatever your rhythm is the Holy Spirit using those things to transform you. And I, yeah, I think again, are we putting into practice the things that we're learning? Right. We don't need just input for input's sake. And I think that's the pressure that many of us feel. So again, I would just affirm Gary, Yeah. Uh, take it slow. What is God teaching you? Dig into something, let him, let it marinate a little longer than um, maybe you did last year when you're trying to fill everything. That's great. That is really good. Uh, speaking of uh, putting it into practice, the uh, book of James seems to be pretty practical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Good segue there. Beautiful segue. So uh, we were in chapter four this past week, um, doing the first, uh, really first 10 verses, but on this uh, episode, we'll talk about 11 and 12 here. Um, So let's just jump in with kind of the the typical first question. Jason, as you were studying and Josh, as you were listening and reading, uh, what were some of the things in this text here that kind of stood out to you guys? Um, I would say even more than in my study, while I was preaching, the, the connection between, hey, you resist the devil and he flees. And then the next line is you come near to God and he comes near to you. Yeah. Like even while I was preaching, it did not even connect with me on an emotional level until I was up there preaching that, that I, hey, you resist the devil and he runs away and you turn to the Lord and he runs toward. Like that imagery, even while I preach, I don't even think it was in my notes in that with the kind of emphasis that I put on it in the sermon because it just hit me in the midst of that. And I just think that's such a powerful picture that I that I hope our people could grasp onto. Like as we turn away from the devil and turn to God, the devil flees and God God comes running. It's a picture of the prodigal son. The devil's running away and God's running toward. And I just think that's an amazing imagery that I'd love to see all of us kind of gravitate to. Yeah. I thought it was just a, it was a lot of points. And I, I was, <laughs> I did feel like, I, which one do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, it is, yes. Yeah, I, but it, it was Not in a bad way yeah. at all. It was like, whew, whew. You know, you adulterous people. Well, I didn't love that. Right. I didn't love being called that one. Right. Um, the 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 quarreling and fighting. It's me. It's yeah. not anyone else. Yeah. It's my fault. Oh, I don't have because I don't ask, or I don't have because I'm not asking in a way that it has the right motive behind it. So there's yeah. three things before we even got to the <laughs> other piece that I was like, oh, I'm able to just sit here for a minute and just <laughs> beat myself up like a tiny. Cuts, thousand cuts to death. So it was, I just felt this like, whoo, whoo. And then to that point, it was the resist. Yeah. And he will flee. Connected to the first part is submit. Yeah. That reminder for me of just because you submit does not mean the fight is over. Yes. It actually just means the fight's probably begun. Yeah. Right now, you're actually probably not fighting that hard. Yeah. You haven't truly submitted and surrendered. Yeah. You've been given over to your flesh. Yeah. The moment you decide to fully surrender, it's on. Mm -hmm. And I I think I convinced myself, 
or maybe the enemy convinces it, me of this. I was sitting there thinking about that. I was like, oh, I, yeah, sometimes I forget that I'm in an all-out war for my soul, and I am just now on the right side. Yep. But the moment, then back to the opposes the proud, the moment I walk in pride, God does not stand beside me. He stands in front of me as my adversary. We don't talk about that a lot yeah. as believers in evangelical yeah. world that God would oppose me. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's, we say that. He's for you. God yeah. is for I'm you. I'm thinking, man, we say that verse all the time. God opposes yeah. the proud, but we always hang on the back one. God yeah. gives grace to the humble. That, yeah. like, that's the one we love. Yeah. But to think of the imagery of God's literally standing in front of me as my adversary, and he will knock me down because he cares for me so much. Um, and I started thinking about those times in my life that it felt that way. Now looking back at it, that it wasn't actually the enemy. Yeah, it was right. God who was um, trying to do what was best for me. And I'm just really hard-headed. Yeah. And, but yeah, there's six, there's six things right, yeah. off the, right off the bat. And to Brendan's communion point, it's, there are times we, like, it's hard to do this. Yeah, that is so hard to do this. Um, if you were at the press camp, you talked about that in communion, just the difficulty of wanting to do that. And so God has given us these reminders, one of which being communion, which is a great reminder to Jason's point. And you didn't say it in the sermon, at least at eight. I wasn't in there. Other ones. The older I've gotten, you, it was in your sermon before. The more realization of grace I need. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, that is so true. Yeah. Um, I was a little more arrogant probably in my 20s. Sure. And now 40, it's like, oh, nope, I'm I'm in desperate need of this this grace. And then we didn't even talk about the friendship of the world part. I forgot that. So there's a whole nother one. <laughs> there you go. There it is. That's really funny. So one of the things, at least like in Prescott, uh, I, I didn't. So, you know, every week I'll read Jason's message prior to. We'll talk notes and all that stuff. I didn't do that this week. So it was really interesting for me coming in because I felt like the cohesion between communion and the message was really, really strong. Just felt like, oh yeah, this these are connecting pretty well, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, right. We don't always no. write them. I don't always write them that way. Right. And then midway through the the message, I had this little light bulb moment with the uh, uh, ninety five thesis Reformation right. movement right back in the fifteen hundreds, uh, Martin Luther. And I was like, oh, that feels like this fits. And that was the close. And I was like, oh, there was great cohesion. And I just love sometimes the way that the spirit leads in that um, because that was not planned. Right. But after, you know, the the first or second service, I just sat back and was thinking, man, yeah, that um, that the thing that resonated most with me was the humble yourself, submit, repent continuously, like keep coming back to uh, what Tim, right, would call the, the blocking and tackling of our faith, which is just, man, I messed up again. Man, I needed to forgive or I need to ask for forgiveness and, and just continually submitting to um, to that. So uh, that was the thing that stood out to me. I did have, you know, there was this one moment, right? Verse three, as you're going through, uh, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Um, you, you spent a little bit of time on that. And I did want, maybe to dig in just a little bit more because, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, you ask and do not receive, uh, you know, um, because you're asking for for selfish, amb- you know, it's under right. selfish ambition. Uh, so it's not always that you're not asking. Correct. But sometimes the motives are wrong. What about, and I know this text doesn't really dig into it, but there is this whole other group of people who are asking from a pure, genuine heart. They're asking for something to be done in their lives 
And again, this text doesn't really speak to this all that much, but what about those people who are asking for the you know, good godly motives and still aren't yet seeing that fruit or maybe never will see that fruit? Right. What would you say to those people? Uh, I would say this comes to the place where we have to put our faith in a God who knows all. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the full picture in front of us. And, you know, I know it's really cliche. You think of the Garth Brooks song from the uh, early 90s. Thank God for unanswered prayer, mm. right? Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. Got that tune now in my head. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Do you? No. No, I've never heard that song. Oh, you need to Google it up and play it for our podcast oh, friends. We'll, we'll close no, it. I, I, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but the, the, I don't know if sorry. that's the one. <laughs> but the ahead. point is, like, we, we don't actually know what the impact of a of what we're praying. It goes back to what we talked about in Romans where the Holy Spirit, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. I think about half my prayers, God, the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 don't listen to him. I know he's, I, he believes that and he thinks that would be the right thing, but it's not. And so just ignore that and do this. And I think there's, um, okay, so just to tap into my own story for a moment, my wife and I, um, I think most, many of you know, uh, we adopted our two sons. And the reason that we adopted our two sons is because we could not get pregnant. Okay. And I say we, like I had an opportunity to get pregnant because she (laughs) could not get pregnant. So I don't believe that men can get pregnant. Okay. That's a whole, we don't have to go there. We don't have to go out of there. So, so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we was it with selfish motives? I don't know. Maybe. I don't feel like it was, but I, right? how can I judge my own soul? I don't even know. But I do recognize that if, I, if, if, if God would have answered the prayers in the way that we prayed it, not only would we have not adopted our children, we probably would not have been such big proponents of adoption. And there have been a lot of, kids in the last uh, 15, 18 years that I got to play a small role in seeing them being adopted. I can think of 10 people right now from Illinois to Prescott who are in families because God put that on my heart because we walked through that season. And so I couldn't I, I don't know that. And so, th- again, it, it, there is this piece where we have to trust that God's sovereignty, his wisdom is higher than our wisdom, and we don't know what he knows. And so, when my heart is, is fully submitted to him and he's not giving me the thing that I want, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to trust that he knows what's best. Yeah, that's really good. Again, I just uh, put myself in the shoes of some, even some of my close friends and people that I know sitting in that room thinking, no, I'm at, here's what I'm asking for. And it's a godly thing. You know, I'm asking for my, my husband to stop making the knucklehead decisions. And I'm asking for my wife to come back to Jesus and my kids to, you know, finally make it back into a church. And it's like, these are godly things. And at the end of the day, God is sovereign. Yeah. Well, and I think what we would say at the same time, um, we don't discount that we have 
the ability to obey or not obey. Absolutely. So I can pray for my wife to stop making knucklehead decisions, but at the end of the day, she has a role to play in that. And so, um, yeah, God's not going to override their uh, decision-making, right? right? He's not going to, again, it goes back to the, um, the, the, Throwing seed and producing fruit, right? You reap what you sow. Many of us are sowing and praying for a, a harvest failure, right? right? And so when we when we got somebody in our life who's sowing bad seed and they're dealing with the consequences of it, we're not going to pray away their consequences. And so yeah. they're going to have to deal with it no matter how sincere I am. So all of that to say, I think we have to recognize that... Um, that we can pray and God is sovereign and we have people in our life who are going to make dumb decisions and we can't pray that away from them. That's really good. Um, well, we did have one question that came in from Sunday and this, I think it's a great segue because it allow us to spend a little bit of time on verses 11 and 12, which we didn't have time for yesterday. So uh, here's the question comes in from Mariella. Always uh, awesome to see Mariella send a question in because we know it's always going to be a good one. So thank you. Uh, here is what it says. Time did not allow for Jason to touch on verses 11 through 12. Uh, But after all the warnings in James against (laughs) uh, friendship with the world, how do we handle the fact that uh, absolute evil must incur absolute judgment? 1 Corinthians 15, 12 and 13 clearly uh, directs us to judge those inside of their church while God judges those outside of the church. In our culturally infected churches today, what is the uh, line of demarcation between those who are inside of the church and those who are not? How can we shed, or can you shed a light on this? Yeah, thank you, Mariella. That is a fantastic question, and we didn't get to talk about this text, so it is a great segue. Just for a point of clarification, um, I believe what she had meant is that that should be First Corinthians five, not First Corinthians fifteen. So, oh, I, did I say fifteen? It, yeah. it says five. Okay. So that was yeah. Just my, so, my for, so yeah, First Corinthians five talks about uh, judgment and sin inside the church, and how we as believers are to hold our yeah. fellow believers to an account. And uh, in that text, it's like you can go back and read it. It's a. <laughs> It's it's not great, and he Paul's saying hand this guy over to Satan so he can be taught not to blaspheme. Like this guy, he he did some stuff he shouldn't have been doing. That anyway, you can go good, to that one. It's a good ending though. He comes back. He does. That's in Second Corinthians. Yeah, yeah and wow. Paul says, "Hey, stop being mean to him. He repented. Leave him alone." <laughs> yeah. He's hey, I know that thing I said earlier, but let's dial it back. It, it, it worked. It worked. He <laughs> repented. That's the whole point. He yeah. did the thing. So yeah. now bring him back into fellowship. Okay. That. Um, so let me first just read our, our text here just as a reminder. Um, and then I'll take a couple of minutes here and work through it a little bit. So this is James chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And again, we have a, a specific time period to get through the book of James. And so there are a couple of these sections that we're not going to be able to preach on Sunday morning, but we'll try to touch on them here. It says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, so uh, again, I didn't get a chance to speak 
to, as Mariella said, we didn't have a chance to, to hit it, but there is a significant shift in tone that happens between, as Mariella pointed out, there's a lot of warnings up through verse 10. And then we get to verse 11. And verse 11 opens up back with Paul's endearing phrase of his brothers and sisters. Hey, brothers and sisters. So uh, verse four was, you adulterous people. But now he's kind of changed the tone again. He's gotten out of that mode and he says, brothers and sisters. So there's this softening a bit, it seems. And the point is right at the top of this paragraph. He says, do not slander one another. Now, as you go through this text, and actually over the last couple of of chapters even. Again, this is all read as one letter. These chapter headings weren't in James's uh, original manuscript. Everything that he's talking about here seems to fall on the backdrop of Leviticus 19. So if you have an opportunity, I would invite you to grab your Bible and flip to Leviticus chapter 19. And I'm going to read starting in verse 15. And I want, I want to point out a few themes that James addresses in his letter that actually come from Leviticus 19. Okay. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 15, Leviticus 19, 15. It begins with, do not pervert justice. So back, pause just for a second. In here, he's talking about the law several times uh, in our text in James 4. It seems as if Leviticus 19 are the laws that he has in mind when he's talking about it. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. I feel like we talked about that recently. I think we did. Maybe week two, three, yeah. four. Partiality and yeah. favoritism. Pastor Ken yeah. addressed that very topic. So again, this is like front of mind for James as he's writing this letter in James. This is where he's getting so much of his source material. Hey, don't show favoritism. Don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism to the poor or don't show favoritism to the great. But and here's the, but judge your neighbor fairly or rightly. There is a way to judge. It's not a command not to judge. It's to make sure you judge rightly. So that's verse 15. Now let's go to 16. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. And again, that's exactly what he just said in verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. So he's addressing that again. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Verse 17, do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Uh, I remember back in chapter two of the book of James where he talks something about love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) I believe that was in there. Was that verse eight and nine? It doesn't matter. We'll get there in a second. Uh, Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you do not share in their guilt. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against another among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And again, Paul or James quotes that very uh, text uh, in chapter two. So all of all of so much of what he's talking about here in our text in James falls in the backdrop of the law of chapter 19. So he says, 
So don't slander each other. There seems to be this critical nature that's happening among his people. This does not seem to me, Mariella, to fit in the camp of what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is addressing. So that's addressing specific sin in the church. And I don't think that's what he's talking about here. This seems to be more about the critical spirit that we have uh, when we we just want to talk against each other. Again, that's the word he uses. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister. This is just the critical nature of us um, Josh, you just mentioned it a few minutes ago when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed to see what the Baptists are arguing about, right? What are we just being critical in church world? We're just backbiting each other. And that seems to be the part that he's addressing. And so the law, when he address, when he talks about the law, he says, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And I think the law that he's talking about is this Leviticus 19. Like when we're not doing these things that Leviticus 19 told us to do, we're actually standing in judgment of what that law says. We're putting ourselves above it instead of submitting ourselves to it. Whether it's loving our neighbor as ourselves, spreading slander among each other, showing favoritism to uh one person over another. When we're not obeying those things, we're actually standing in judgment of the law. We're saying that what we believe or what how we act is actually more important than even what the scripture says. So when you when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. So when we're not doing these things that he pointed out from Leviticus 19, he says, you're actually judging the law. And he says, we don't have any place to be judging the law. We are to sit under it, not sit over it. Then we get to verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, there is a God. He's on the throne. He is the judge. It's not us. And we should not determine that we're going to take his place and be the one to judge other people uh, Now, again, this does not, because again, Leviticus 19 tells us we are to judge rightly. That's what it says, or judge fairly. This does not preclude us from calling out sin in our brothers and sisters. Like that is a biblical mandate. Uh, In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount taught us how to judge. He, He doesn't tell us not to judge. He actually teaches us how to judge. And that's the whole text of the plank in the eye versus the speck in the eye. And uh, Matthew uh, 18 tells us how that should get carried out in the church. So we should be judging people. We should be judging sin in the church. about it in the end of five. Yes, we'll get there at the end of chapter five, starting in verse 19. He's going to talk to us about how do we call out sin? How do we help those who have wandered from the truth we have a responsibility to bring those people back. So we are to judge people. Um, but again, I don't think that's the big, the big issue that, he, that, that he's addressing here is not sin. It doesn't seem as if it's sin issue here in chapter four, verse 11 and 12, as much as it is just the critical spirit that we have uh, in us that seems to just want to lobby criticism and slander the people around us. Uh, rightly judging people is not a public matter primarily. 
It's first and foremost a private matter. Like I, I should not be airing my grievances or slandering someone who's who's walking in a way that I think they shouldn't. I do that privately. Like the correction should come privately, and then we take two and go and do it. Like it, it's a, it's a. Uh, three or four steps down the road before it would ever become a public matter when someone's unrepentance um, is just so dire that that none of the private conversations work. So just us out slandering people uh, is not judging fairly. It is not in a constructive way to bring someone to repentance. It's just to make them look bad and us feel better. So I think that's the issue that James is trying to address in chapter four. Which makes sense when you think the Leviticus just restarted in verse 15, do not pervert justice. In God's eye, justice was this big picture of shalom. It was right relationships. And this clearly shows that I have a wrong relationship, which goes back to even last week in the tongue. Like James has already addressed that idea, so they have that in their mind. How can praise and cursing, and then yet in the same breath, or, or praise and, and worship, but in the same breath, come cursing of those made in God's That's image? Right. So right. he's already addressed it, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm going to circle back here and say, no, 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 I'm not saying that you can't actually help call them out and do those things, yeah. but th- we're not going to get there yet. Well, what I'm going to talk about is some of you over here talking about people in a way that is not honoring and yeah. you're actually perverting the justice in which God That's has desired. Right. He's actually fixed your relationship. Yeah. You should be one another, yeah. you know? And so that's the key, I think, is the don't pervert justice. And so when we look at how God does it, it is ultimately all just. And so I should... Look at the law to give me the understanding of what is right and wrong, not my own selfish ways. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to tell Jason this because it actually helps me look a little bit better. Yeah. It makes my life pretty good. So I would like this to happen, please, Jason. And (laughs) And I'm going to call you out. And and it's easy for us to miss the connection where James's primarily Jewish audience all of these, yeah. they would have all known. Yeah, these. they would have lit up. Exactly. They would have They would have made all of the connections. Mm-hmm. They knew that these were their John 3, 16. These were their Bible verses. They knew these had been taught them their whole life. And so um, when James is kind of going through this, it's ticking off all of these commands that they learned as kids. And so yeah. it's easy for them to lay that over top of a text like Leviticus 19 uh, for us there's too much distance. So we don't see it as we're kind of reading through this, but hopefully we can connect the dots there. It is really cool seeing the examples in scripture of, you know, our scriptures using their scriptures. It's almost like, when, so right, it's at the inception of Bible teaching and exegesis. It's yeah. James exegeting a scripture. Yes. Then you're exegeting James for exegeting that yes. scripture. And it's a really fun thing to, to start observing. Yeah. So uh, that's really good. I think that's really helpful, and I think we tied a bow on it. So you guys got anything else? Well, I think we just realized why we couldn't have added that 11 and 12 and get the depth to (laughs) it. (laughs) Took a little bit of time. (laughs) Because you just can't throw it all in there. That's really good. All right, guys. Well, uh, to Jason's request, we'll uh, end our time with some Garth Brooks here. (laughs) Oh, yes. At a hometown football game, my wife and I ran my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me. And I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one. 
that I'd wanted for all times. And each night I'd spend praying that God...